Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. I'm reading here, there's a high probability that there won't be enough gas in Europe this winter. This is according to a chief economist. That's not just a chief economist, by the way. I'm looking here at the news as well. If you go uh, scooching to the news there, uh, the rich European countries having now to ration their energy use and having to decide to switch off the major industries loomed closer on Monday as the flow of natural gas to Europe via the Nord Stream pipeline fell to zero. And joining me on the air is chief, oh, sorry, chief economist, Sorry, the Institute of International and European Affairs Chief Economist, Dan O'Brien. Dan, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, uh, Dan, I mean, look, is this a reality that we could be in a situation, particularly for those who are using gas, uh, that we could be in a situation come September where the demand goes up and the resources go down, that we're back to, we're out to rationing? Yeah, unfortunately, that is, that is a, a realistic scenario. Now, we, in Europe, we get most of our gas, imported gas from Russia. Um, clearly, everyone knows what's going on there. And... Uh, you know, as you say, the winter gets cold, people start need, need heating, need more, use more gas, and there's now a realistic possibility that Europe won't have enough gas next winter. I'm looking here, it says the stoppage is part of a planned end 10-day outage, but analysts and officials worry that Russia's Gazprom, which has already shut off or limited gas supply to 12 EU countries, could choose not to reactivate the Nord Stream pipeline at all. That's the, 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 the latest fear, but the bigger fear is that come next winter, uh, the Russians use this tactically uh, as leverage over Europe to say we are going to cut you off from our gas if you don't give us what we want in Ukraine. And I mean, is it right, when you think about this logic, I know Germany is on the brink of collapse over this because obviously they rely not just on gas but on oil as well coming from Russia. We don't thankfully rely on as much oil coming from Russia but there is a political crisis in relation to oil around the world because we don't have enough refineries because they all backed out 10 years ago in fear of climate change that they wouldn't be in demand and some of the shareholders moved out. So that's a whole different ball game. But I mean, I mean, could this bring us into a kind of a, some sort of worldwide recession? Is there a genuine fear, like in Germany, that we're going to have to have you know big community centres with heating on for people to go and get warm during the winter and older people to get warm? Is that a real? Is that realistic? Well, I, I'm not going to comment on, on on how the Germans deal with the household side of things. I think most governments say that the, you know one of the last things they would want to cut supply off to is households. So what they, they're looking around or they're saying, you know, aluminium, okay, something to make aluminium needs a huge amount of energy. So they're sort of saying, look, can we survive for by shutting down our, our aluminium smelting plants and save the energy that way? So that's what governments around Europe are now doing. They're sort of looking, where is the way we can shut, where are the industries we can shut down that are most energy intensive so that we have the gas for the things that we prioritize most? But if you start shutting down industries, as we found out during the pandemic, what happens, of course, your economy contracts. So, you know, if, if it comes to that, and let, let, let me say, Niall, I'm, I'm not, you know, 100%, I'm not saying it will come to that. And if it doesn't come to that, I think there's a possibility we, we won't have a recession in Europe. I know a lot of my fellow economists are really worried about a recession one way or the other. It's possible, but it's not inevitable. And it's certainly not inevitable if we don't have this gas shut-off issue. Well, recessions are always inevitable because that's just the way the economy works, isn't it? I mean, look, we have prosperous times, then we go back into recession, then we have more prosperous times because otherwise property prices and everything would go completely out of hand. I mean, just your, your, your feeling in relation to that, moving away from the gas for the moment, and I certainly don't want to scaremonger and tell people that they're all going to be freezing in the winter, because, but I, I think the price probably will go up again. Uh, but in relation to the, the idea of a recession, we're seeing the interest rates rising slightly at the moment across the world, you know, in banks. 
Is there a possibility that we could see, you know, uh, a collapse like we did back in 2009, between 2009 and 2010? Is is that a possibility that could happen again? You know, I I, I never thought, Niall, I'll be perfectly honest, that the financial system was as fragile as it was back then. And because I didn't predict it then, I am never again going to say that I fully understand how the financial system works. It is a massively complex system, and I don't, I've never met anyone who fully understands how it works. So if you don't understand fully how a complex system works, you can never say for certain that something can't go badly wrong in it. So it's always something, one of those things that always sort of keeps me awake at night. <laughs> Could we have another financial crisis? The answer is it's certainly possible. It's a very fragile and complex system. And what about the interest rates? That's a fear people have with the cost of living rising and people pinned to the collar at the moment, particularly with fuel prices gone up so much and we're spending so much more money on fuel now. And I think we're not really seeing that yet. We won't see it till the good weather ends and people have to put back on their heating and their lighting, etc. But can you see interest rates rising? I know that I can remember, Dan, going back to when I got my first house and back in the was it the late 80s or the, the 90s. I can't remember when interest rates went to 16%. I don't know whether you remember that. It was a crazy time. But is there a possibility interest rates could climb, you know, 2 or 3%. I would think, yes, well, certainly, even this month, the European Central Bank, the, the, the people who set our interest rates are guaranteed to intri- increase interest rates. So we will get... We'll get a we will we'll get you know a half point in a half uh, percentage point increase in rates, and it's likely that we'll get you know some more. But I would be very confident we're not going back to the days of sort of double digits. You know, hopefully this that burst of inflation that we've all been suffering from will pass by next year. And the central bank won't almost ten percent, Dan. Almost yesterday, it was revealed that it's the highest we've had in forty-four years. Almost ten percent the inflation yeah. rate. It's, it's you know it's a really big problem. Again, mostly it's come down to that energy issue. Energy prices have just gone crazy, and that's feeding into other things. And unfortunately, that is eating our, our eating eating into our purchasing power. And central banks to try and tame inflation usually put up interest rates. As you say, it's almost inflation is almost 10% now, so the central banks feel they have to act. So we are definitely getting some mm. increase in interest rates. The question is, how high will they go? I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm pretty, pretty certain that they're going to go nowhere near uh, that, that period you mentioned 40 years ago when they were up to 16% or something. Yeah. Finally, just in relation to where we're going now with energy and people are noticing myself, I'm up and down to Belfast all the time. That's where I mainly live now. And, you know, I'm putting 600 a month into the car on diesel. It's ridiculous, right? And I'm sure everybody, particularly those who use their cars quite a lot, are using quite an awful lot of diesel or petrol at the moment. Um, the Obviously, what's happened in Ukraine has made a huge difference to the cost of fuel in relation to because obviously there's the sanctions that are on Russia, etc., etc. But, I mean, before that even happened or before we got to February, were we going to be in this place anyway? Because I have heard, and many economists or other people similar to yourself have suggested that shareholders had pulled out of refineries due to climate change action and policies being made by government in relation to climate change. So, I can't... If the war ended in Ukraine tomorrow... I can't see fuel prices going back to where they were, the, you know, the 130s or 140s that they were at. Can you see them ever going back there again? Well, let, let's differentiate now between uh, oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So oil has fallen back a lot over the past few weeks. It's now under $100 a barrel. Okay? So, why are we seeing to, the, so why are we seeing them dropping at the forecourts? Well, well, one reason is because the euro has lost value. So priced in euro, because oil internationally is priced in dollars, we buy it in euro. And because the euro has weakened by about 20% against the dollar in recent months, that means that when we're paying for it, we're not seeing 
those price falls. Now, well, well, the Americans are still seeing the huge increases in the cost of uh, buying gas as well, or well, fuel, it, should it, say. You know, it does, it takes a bit of time. Yeah. You know, this is only in very recent days because of these fears of recession. Demand for oil has dropped. But the really big problem is the gas market in Europe because we can't just quickly source gas from other places. Ireland does not have a liquefied natural gas terminal to bring that stuff in. The only way we get gas into the country is from a pipeline with Britain. And in case nobody's noticed, we're in a very big diplomatic spat with Britain. And that's another issue altogether where come the winter, you could have Liz, Liz Truss as the Prime Minister saying, hey, we're keeping all our gas for ourselves and we're not giving it to you guys. So, you know, that's do they have a, Do they have any that. international obligation to give us gas? They, that, that is an agreement, but, you know, all, all, all agreements... Are, <laughs> are on the, the table, British. really, aren't they? Uh, well, if you're in an emergency situation, you can cite, as the British have done over the Northern Ireland Protocol, you can cite extraordinary circumstances and all of that. And, you know, it's, it, if, if, if we're in a dispute with the British and they are sh- suffering a shortage of gas, is it easy to see them turn around and say, look, we'd love to help you, but we've got to look after our own assholes first and our own businesses first. You're on your own. You're on your own. Well, look, it does seem like difficult times for everybody. I hope we don't get to a point of rationing, particularly, and I know they've already put out uh, there is draft legislation in relation to rationing and those who will need it first, and they will have specific garages, will give it to people, say, like, for example, journalists, doctors, whatever it is that happen to need it more than others to do their daily jobs. Listen, I hope it doesn't come to that. But thank you very much, Neve, for coming on the air, and it's been interesting talking to you, Dan. Dan Pleasure. Thanks, Bye bye. There you go. Dan O'Brien from the Institute of International and European Affairs and Chief Economist. Now, would that be awful? Imagine we got to a point, and then look, I predict it's probably going to happen. Because do you remember at the start of COVID, people kept saying, ah, oh, there'll be lockdowns. And going, ah, we never, that's scaremongering. That's not going to happen. Do you remember people were saying, oh, you'll probably need a vaccine pass to get into a restaurant. It was so silly, that's never going to happen. You were a conspiracy theorist, aren't you? But it did. It did all happen. Um, even though it was considered to be scaremongering. Uh, now, the latest fears are that come... See, we don't know now, right now, because nobody's really using gas at the moment. Nobody's really... Well, you're using it to cook, obviously. But nobody's really using oil that much, apart from the forecourts and everything else, because it's all used for fuel, for energy, for heat and for light. We won't see that, really, till September. And that's where we're going to see the real difference in your bills, by the way, when you come in the door. And that's when the demand will go up. And if we're not getting it, and we can't get gas from Russia or from Britain via Britain, um, because of sanctions, we will all suffer. Because your bills are going to go through the ceiling, because supply and demand, of course. And there will be rationing. They've even talked about rationing at garages. You've heard the suggestion that those who have a an odd number at the end of their registration will only be able to get their um, fuel on an odd day of the week and those with an even number and vice versa. But they will bring out lists of those who are necessary workers uh, to get their gas and oil. And I think that's a very scary time for all of us. We've only come out of one crisis and we're going back into another. Most of which I believe, by the way, personal view, is being created by politicians and world leaders. It's not our fault, but we're paying the price. Anyway. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.